Hi everyone, it's me, Ben Blacker, the creator and moderator of the Nerdist Writers Panel. Thank you, as ever, for listening to the podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please do leave a review on iTunes. Uh, it's it, very helpful to us, and it makes me feel good. Um, listen, I've told you before about Michelangelo's screenwriting, uh, the retreat that uh, I am the teacher of uh, in Orvieto, Italy, from June 15th to June 28th. Uh, it's still accepting applications, and this is a special me- special message to the ladies. Um, we have a bunch of sign-ups, but it's a bunch of guys, and a room that is full of gentlemen is no writer's room at all. Um, I was actually talking to some writers recently who are working on shows, and everybody had to say how much better it is when you do have women in the room. Um, I know it seems obvious, but it is a fact. Uh, 50-50 is ideal, but, you know, even a few can change the discussion, can bring new points of view, um, and so I I would really uh, urge, if you are a female listener and you think you have what it takes to be a writer, and you should think you have what it takes to be a writer, because listening to this podcast is step one, go to michelangeloscreenwriting.com, go sign up, send your application in, send your cash money check in. And uh, come to Italy for a couple weeks and work on that feature or that pilot or that comic book or whatever it is you want to work on. Uh, we do it workshop style. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We you know, work for half the day. We go eat pasta for lunch and drink wine and work in the afternoon uh, you know, individually or in small groups or we reconvene the room, uh, whatever everybody needs. And you know, you'll come out of there with a great script. That is my promise to you. Go to michelangelo-screenwriting.com and check it out. Uh, it's, it's really great, and uh, I, I, I enjoy it. I get so much done, and I think you will, too. michelangelo-screenwriting.com. Our sponsor today is Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create a professional website, blog, portfolio, or online store. Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with new features, new designs, and more support. They have beautiful designs for you to start with and tons of style options for you to adjust so you can really create your own space online. Squarespace takes care of hosting, SEO, and even makes sure your site automatically looks great on any device because who uses computers anymore? It's incredibly easy to use, but if you want some help, Squarespace has an amazing support team that works 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It starts at just $8 a month and includes a domain name if you sign up for a year. For a free trial and 10% off of your first purchase on new accounts, go to squarespace.com and use the offer WRITERS2. Squarespace.com, W-R-I-T-E-R-S, the number two. Uh, Please support our sponsor because it helps support us, and we certainly appreciate that. Thanks so much. Hope you enjoy today's Nerdist Writers Panel. Now entering Nerdist.com. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel on the Nerdist Podcast Channel. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Welcome to the Nerdist Writers Panel. This is Ben Blacker, the creator and moderator of the Nerdist Writers Panel. Thanks for listening. Follow me on Twitter at Ben Blacker, just like it sounds. Uh, I myself am a TV writer. I've written for the shows Supernatural, Super Ninjas, and I'm currently working on a DreamWorks animated program which I will tell you more about when I'm allowed to, but it's a lot of fun. I'm also the co-creator of the Thrilling Adventure Hour, a stage program in the style of old-time radio, available as a podcast on the Nerdist Network, monthly at Largo, and touring 
all over the country uh, in 2014. Find out more at thrillingadventurehour.com. Or Robert Rodriguez says, let's go run through the woods, man. And I don't know, it's a network, and we're going to do 10 of these. It's going to be really cool, and the Mexican vampires, and I don't know. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like. No, it's so fun. It's like I, my, my analogy is this must be what filmmaking was like in the 70s. It was mm-hmm. sort of like, it's very just cool. go and find a story. And there's no network. He and I just kind of look at each other. It's like, you like it? I like it. I like it. <laughs> there's no notes. I don't have, I don't get notes. Let's see, which maybe it's Wait, let's, all right. Let's get, okay, in, anyway. let's get okay. into it. I'm going to leave some of that in. I'll leave in the good okay. stuff and <laughs> take out anything <laughs> inflammatory. Uh, if you, if you want, I think we're fine. We all know how to talk oh. to people. Oh, okay. It's so more comfortable when we don't. No, don't worry. About um, hi. Welcome, everybody. We're finally doing it. Uh, <laughs> we've got, uh, that just talking that you heard was Carlos Cotto. Say hello, Carlos. Hello, hello. Uh, we've got John Hamburg. Hello. And finally, Michelle Ashford. Hello. Thank you for being here. Oh, thanks um, for having the, us. There was an outcry when we had to uh, replace <laughs> oh, you a I'm couple sorry. of weeks ago. I'm so sorry. I'm glad we could finally sit yes, down I'm and thrilled. talk. Yes, I'm thrilled. Thank you. Um, so let's talk about this thing that we were just talking about, which is all of the diverse and bizarre opportunities that are out there now. Uh, Carlos, you were saying you're, you're working on this uh, From Dusk Till Dawn TV show based right. on the movie with Robert Rodriguez on, right. on Rodriguez's new network. Right. <laughs> Which network. is insane. Yeah. And how does he get his own network? I find that well, very bizarre. When Comcast merged with NBC, the federal government made them give a few channels to minorities. So Robert oh. got one. P. Diddy got one. Uh, Magic Johnson got one. I didn't get one. I'm Cuban. I don't know. I was like, <laughs> Where's my network? And he, it was funny. When he sat me down, I mean, we, we had a meeting, and he was like, I was sitting with the senator in Texas, and he says, hey, you want a network? And I'm like, uh, yeah, okay. So they gave him a network. And he just started, you know, his idea was to sort of program it with things he likes. So it's all kind of movies he's curated, Grindhouse stuff, horror, action, Starsky and Hutch reruns, X-Files reruns, oh, wow. Dark Angel reruns, and, uh, and snowboarding, and all this, <laughs> and drift racing and all this crazy stuff. And he says, I want to do, you know, a scripted show right out of the gate. And he said that the best one would probably be Dust Till Dawn because it's a title everyone recognizes. Sure. When you tell people, they're like, oh, I love that movie. It's so cool, man. Wasn't that Clooney? And everybody kind of digs it. And it sort of fits the, the network. The network's kind of like a – it's really just kind of a male-driven mm-hmm. action, you know, sort of a fun network. So, But it's, really but it's a niche, you know. It's a specific yeah. thing, you know. It's, it's a network with a point of view, which, I mean, we for a little while, until recently really, we had networks trying not to have a point of view. Right. right. Had, Cover like, all bases. Exactly. Yeah. So this is really interesting, and I wonder if this is the way we're, we're kind of going now. Um, I wanted to ask about you're you're on Showtime. I am on Showtime, which now seems very conventional compared to all this <laughs> other stuff. It kind of does. Yeah, I know. But I mean, Masters of Sex certainly doesn't, and it kind of feels like the Showtime that's trying to do that kind of higher class, the HBO style yes. shows. Um, was what uh, Carlos was saying? You know, he gets no notes right mm-hmm. from the network because you're yeah. working directly with Robert. What's the situation in developing Masters of Sex for Showtime? What was that like, and how involved was the network? How much were you left on your own? Well, it's funny. It's the network is run by David Nevins, who comes from a producing background. He's at Imagine. Um, for quite a while, and I think he loved that, and he loves being involved in that way. So it is. I, I, I actually worked in real network television for mm-hmm. a long time, where you would hear from the president of the network, you know, maybe once or twice a year. David, it loves getting in there, and so I talk to him all the time about the material. They are incredibly, though, respectful about what you want to do, and. Mm-hmm. 
they will give you suggestions, and you take them if you like them. If you don't, we 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 have a lot of free reign, so it's been fantastic. What what are the tenor of the suggestions? I mean, how specific does it go? Is it in a scene? What if this happened? Is it in, over you know arcs? What if this happened? Well, it, it, it varies. Really? Sometimes they have very. Uh, when I w- developed the pilot, I wanted to have the end of the pilot, Masters and Johnson meeting. Mm-hmm. And they had very specific ideas about this, which they said, your whole show is about these two. They need to meet at the beginning, and we need to watch an hour of them together. So that was a fairly large mm-hmm. idea. But once I got my head around it, I, it made sense to me. And so so it can be a note as big as that, or it can be uh, very small, like he should say go instead of gone. I mean, really? really? Yeah. Really. Wow. Yeah, like, really sometimes the smallest note you can imagine. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, and then is it throughout the process as well? I mean, presumably they're looking at cuts and things like they that. They do. They look at cuts. But, uh, again, you know, uh, it's it's uh, we never get bombarded with notes. They're always just a handful. And uh, and if we really disagree, they're very respectful about that. So it's, it's a great. lovely working environment. Good. I have no complaints. Good. This is, and we've heard this from other Showtime uh, showrunners before. Yeah, they're very they, respectful of the material. They pick yeah. it carefully, too. They, they pick things that they know they love. Mm-hmm. So they're not in a jam where they feel like they're trying to shepherd a show they don't even like, sure. which happens on, on networks sure. a lot. Well, yeah, many places. Yes. How long was the development process for you? It's about a year and a half. Oh, wow. Oh, yes, yeah, long. What was that like? Did you, did you come to them? Were you one of many writers pitching on this, or did you bring it to them? No, uh, my producing partner, Sarah Timmerman, and I, uh, she f- read a New York Times review of Tom Mayer's book, which is all about mm-hmm. Masters and Johnson, and, and said, let's check this out. This seems really wild for a series. And we agreed. We talked to HBO. We talked to FX. Mm-hmm. And then we talked to Showtime. FX, it was a non-starter there because they have advertisers. And there was just no way we were going to get this kind of nudity past advertisers. <laughs> so that was dead. I think uh, HBO at the time, I've done a lot of work there. I just, I think they felt it was like Kinsey. Everyone always says, oh, isn't that like Kinsey? Sure. And then that's sort of off-putting. And I said, it won't be anything like Kinsey, I promise. <laughs> but anyway, and then we, and then, but David read the book. David Evans read the book. He said, oh, no, I so see this. And oh, so nice. that's how it worked. But it takes a long time i mean you know it's it's a long process uh, well, i want to i want to dig into that a little more but i want to talk to john for a sec before we're too far off of the um the notes question yeah. uh you're developing a network uh, <clears throat> pilot right now yeah um what has the process been like for you what was the involvement this is not your first uh tv feature of tv uh yeah pilot. i do movies mainly but yeah. but i've done a little tv yeah so how uh, how does this compare to previous experiences and what has the cbs involvement been like yeah it's been um I mean, we worked with a studio, Warner Brothers. I have to cough. Do it. <clears throat> um, that's just going to happen. we got to start. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's just, back, you know what, uh, maybe we'll reschedule for next <laughs> week. Let's go back in your career. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I would. Um, we, my writing partner on this show, Matt Miller, has a deal at Warner Brothers, so he knew those guys really well, and they've all been together for a while. Um, so that was just very intuitive, smart notes, I thought, that made the script better. And then we gave it to CBS, and they their notes were very targeted. Hmm. I kept hearing their notes will likely be targeted. Um, <laughs> what Explain what that means. W- I mean, there. way more than oh, in the movie good. world. <laughs> no, I was like, what is, no, but like very Release specific. Release the note. <laughs> yeah, well, right, exactly. There's drones that fly <laughs> right. over and make sure you execute that note. Oh, um, man. I don't, they were just very specific. Like, hmm. sometimes, you know, sometimes, like, 
maybe we feel this character needs to be a little stronger here, this, this and that, but, but literally down to like, can the wording be a little bit different? This is why we're bumping on this, hmm. like v- quite specific, which I'm sort of, you know, if it, it's at least you, it's not like pie in the sky kind of notes. Yeah. Um, so they the were more specific generally the better. Yeah. I mean, it can be, and they were, it was pretty, not that hard, you know, to mm-hmm. take them in and execute. And, uh, and then it's been, then they picked it up. So. And what was okay. the pitch process for you guys like? Uh, yeah, that it was on. the first time I'd ever really done that because really? I, I created a show maybe like six years ago, mm-hmm. but I wrote it as a spec, so I didn't pitch it. I didn't realize. Um, and, yeah, I was just frustrated because I hadn't gotten this one movie made, and I wrote a TV spec, um, and it just sort of took on a life of its own. But So this is my first time ever pitching, and I went out with three this year. I produced two and co-wrote one. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy. I mean, yeah. I don't know how you, it was yeah. like going like a big from. Fire sale. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. three, four places every, or two places one day, two places the next. Mm, and crazy. What did I, your pitch look like? How long was it and how uh, detailed okay. was it? Because um, for a comedy, it's often Matt, different. Matt, things, my writing part of this would probably kill me, but the first, <laughs> the first network we went to, the pitch. Because I was like, I normally in my movie pitches, it's more a conversation. Mm-hmm. It's like right. they could be, an, you know, it's you're not really, you don't have twelve minutes or whatever to do it. And our first pitch was very long, and we How long we, is very long. Well, I don't know. I mean, twenty minutes or something, oh, or half an hour. I mean, you're talking a little bit, but yeah. we walked out and we're two neurotic Jews. We were like, this is just what happened in there. <laughs> like we what know this do? is a good show. <laughs> We went on, wow. you know, it was like a vaudeville act. I felt disgusting. Um, I wanted to quit the business. Sure. You then know. you're doing it right. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I just felt bad. And then um, we we cut it way, way down, mm-hmm. and it was much better. Uh, and the what last was, three places were wait, much better. I'm really better. curious. So what was planned in that first pitch, no, and then what was sort of spontaneous, and um, what wound up taking so long? A bun- It was it was planned too much. I mean, okay. we wrote out kind of the pitch and tried to do it. I don't know how you guys do it. Like, tried to do it, you know, extemporaneously, but we... But we memorized yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, yes. we kind of memorized it. No, I do it. the same thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I, I just that. get an index card and put the topics. I mean, it's all organized mm-hmm. beforehand. But you basically but I put, bullet points. I just bullet points, and then, because I'm Cuban, so you just tell me, hey, there's a place you can talk. <laughs> I'll just start yapping. So half the time I'm talking about my family and shit. But that's good. And then eventually I, I get to the better. pitch, but no. But I just kind of wing it, but... Yeah, you know, some, and you, and, but I find that sometimes the pitch doesn't go as well as I want it to. But the other problem that I have too is sometimes the pitch is different at every place, and I'll yeah, like an mm-hmm. idea will come up that I didn't pitch at the other place, and I was like, oh crap, that was good. I got to remember that, and I'll write <laughs> right. it down, or someone will say something, and it'll kind of, like you said, take a life of its own. And yeah, yeah. it's kind know. of an evolving. It's also thing. about the room you're in too. Well, yeah, I mean, you know what I mean. It's like, the, the worst part was very friendly room the first time out. We were like, this oh. is going to be great, <laughs> and then it was just too long and just. Blech. But and um, CBS is a notoriously tough room to pitch. Well, so. I knew those guys because I the last mm. the show I created was for them. What was the um, show? It was called Welcome to the Captain. Uh, right. It was basically about this building that I live in in LA called the El Royale. Uh, unfortunately, we it, we were making it, and the writers' strike happened, and right during our first yeah. episode, you know, so uh, we made five. We, I think it got ordered for seven, and mm-hmm. we made five and ran out of yeah sunk scripts. a lot of people yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean CBS, they were they were great. I mean oh, it was good. just like more. By that yeah. point, our pitch was much better, <laughs> so we didn't make them suffer through like half an hour of and was it you know was an it, unwieldy pitch. Was honing that pitch just a question of like taking out 
the details? It was just, yeah, it was like, it was kind of like writing. It was like, the first draft is long and disgusting, and then it gets better. I mean, so it was like, you know, it was just, do we need this? Do we need this? This joke didn't really land. Mm -hmm. Let's cut it or let's refine it. This is why they're not understanding this, because the setup's not here. It was just like rewriting, kind Mm -hmm. of. And then also, we were more comfortable, so we could be more conversational. Then it was like, we didn't have to memorize anything. We just could, we really knew it by that point. Well, that makes sense. Uh, and what did the, the master's pitch look like? You did take it around to a few places. Again, how detailed was it? How uh, how much of the series did you pitch? How much of the pilot did you pitch? Well, actually, that was interesting because I had uh, done so much work at HBO. That was really just a phone call saying, Oh, really? Yeah. It wasn't, I didn't mm. even go in and said, yeah. Look, this is where we are okay. with this. And, and you had worked on The Pacific, right? I had worked and on The Pacific, but, uh, but I had. You worked on John Adams, too, right? And John Adams. Oh, sure. But I had also written three pilots for them. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, starting back in 2000. So mm. I'd really been sort of on this mm-hmm. hamster wheel with them and trying to get. Mm-hmm. We actually shot one that Barry Sonnefeld directed. Um, um, but uh, so I, it was more just a call saying here, here's the area, and and we just it didn't take. Oh, interesting. And then the same thing with Landgraf, mm-hmm. just calling and saying here's the area, mm-hmm. and he just said we'll never get the nudity passed. And then and then Nevins had read the book by the time I went into pitch, mm-hmm. but like like John was saying, I actually over prepare for these really? things, and everything's all written out. And so I start in, and about five minutes into it, he goes, Michelle, I've read the book. <laughs> I know all right. this. <laughs> That's right. such a so relief. Then, yeah. that That's such course, a relief when well, they know the material. Yeah, but like, then oh, it's a little cool. bit like, but I have a whole thing memorized, <laughs> right. and now I don't know really what to say. Right. There's an arc to this. Yeah, that, yeah. Yes, now I'm a little... So anyway, it was actually kind of a discombobulating <laughs> thing. So anyway, I said, well, if you know the book, then you know what the story is, and that's basically it. And and so it, it didn't... It was an odd pitch, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> but um, he knew he wanted the material, so yeah. he just said, go sure. off and tell me what the pilot is. Oh, that's really cool. So it was fine. And you must have had in mind already what the pilot was I, and I how did. that first season I unfolds. Did. I did. And I feel like you must be asked, you must have been asked and must still be asked all the time about how to kind of sustain that relationship between the leads and how that gets stretched out and over seasons. Yes. I mean, that seems to be like the big hurdle for this. Well, it's really interesting. I feel like I'm cheating a lot with this show because I have a book. Sure. And mm-hmm. the book, when you read it, it covers their entire careers, which went on for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I feel like, well, oh, this is not really that hard. <laughs> I mean, so much of it is there. And, and the reason when we read the book, we thought this only could be a series mm-hmm. because there's so many twists and turns in their relationship, in their careers that I, I just felt like, oh, I can really see how you... Here's the scary thing about a series. Like, what are you going to do for six years should you be so lucky? And mm-hmm. when I read that book, I thought, I actually see that. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. So it was a huge relief. Nice. So I, I don't feel like it's just completely on me to mm-hmm. figure out what on earth we're ever going to do. <laughs> yeah, and I've it, only got a two-hour movie, so I'm like... Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, it's kind of the same question, right? Is how yeah. do you take that, or what do you take from that to Well, I mean, the, the movie's kind of our series. roadmap for the first season, so we're sort mm-hmm. of doing, you know, our thing is if the movie was a short story, the, the series is the novel. Mm-hmm. So we're basically taking a lot of nooks and crannies from the film and finding new characters, finding backstories, and telling pieces of the movie that that happened off screen like you know there's a whole part of the movie where Clooney goes to uh, where Seth Gecko goes to uh, the Big Kahuna Burger to get him a burger and he comes back well we came up with this whole storyline that happens at the Big Kahuna Burger and we get to go to a Big Kahuna Burger which is you know the burger that 
that the guys are eating in Pulp Fiction when, yeah. uh, when, uh, when really Jules fun. comes in to shoot them, and it's part of the whole universe. So we're kind of treating that whole Rodriguez-Tarantino universe as this big kind of place that we can, the sandbox that we can kind of play in. Oh, that's really fun. So, you know, that's in that sense, there's a roadmap also of the action because the whole movie is a big getaway, get across the border and mm-hmm. end up at the strip club. And now I can't have nudity. I just realized that. I guess we're not going to have any ads anyway. So. <laughs> no, but... Um, uh, so, so yeah, it's been kind of this cool roadmap and it does free you up. It does feel a little bit like cheating cause you know, action wise mm-hmm. where you're going. But beyond that, we have a map of sort of the next sort of five seasons and what the universe will sort of be. But it's, it, yeah, I don't have the, I don't have the details in, in the sense that I don't have a book of 30 years. It'd be cool. That would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> After I, I'm a, I really like masters of sex. Mm-hmm. Um, you. so much so that I Googled masters and Johnson oh. midway through the spoiler. Oh, no. Well, I was like, I'm this, <laughs> I love this away. show. I got to find out. I was like, Oh, there could be a great many seasons in this. Uh, uh, yeah. At it, least from my little Wikipedia, you know, <laughs> reading of it. I know. We realized very early on that a five second Google and the, what happens in your show is completely blown. Right. So I did then, not know then some then you key have details. to think, yeah. oh, well, okay, so how are we going to get people hooked if they know mm-hmm. the story? Uh, so that's, we, we wrestled. Have you had any yeah. temptations where it's like you get to a point where you want to veer from the truth? And you're like, oh, that would be really cool if we did that. And what's the rule? Is there a rule? or is well, it- I, I do. It's a very, it's a sort of a gut thing with me. And I just, I don't want to veer. I don't veer too much. We right. certainly bring in mm-hmm. lots of characters that aren't in that book. And, you know, we can fill it up with a lot of fun stuff. But we the, the we really have to adhere to the general mm-hmm. structure of the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like anyone who even does this five-second Google search sure may find out factual details. But there's so much more going on in this show. I hope so. Thanks. <laughs> it didn't affect uh, my enjoyment of my okay. second it half can. of your right? the second half of your season oh, okay. at all. Well, that makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. What I wanted to ask about, though, and and this sort of speaks to that, and and I think this applies to the stuff you guys are working on too, is tone, uh, and and. These are tricky tones that you guys are going for. Mm. And your, your new show is a single camera comedy, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, which, again, like, it's tough to strike mm-hmm. the balance. Um, how do you guys wrestle with that? How do you talk to your writers about that? And how scares do you know me. That's what scares me the most about the show. That's a tough one for you. The movie is very broad. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, the first part of it is this kind of crime saga. You know, these two guys rob a bank and then they end up in the Mexican vampire strip club. And it's a it's horror movie. I mean, the movie takes turn. this left turn, yeah. right? Yeah, that's pretty wild. So, I mean, what I told Robert early on was I said, that tone sustains in a movie, you know? And he was like, well, the tone was all over the map, dude. I go, <laughs> I go, <laughs> At least I go well, yeah. But I go, but it was, it was, it sustains in two hours, but it doesn't sustain in, you know, 200, mm-hmm. I said 20 hours, not 200 hours. But <laughs> <laughs> either way, it's like, so my goal was to try to ground it more, mm-hmm. um, in, but not lose the sort of sarcastic edge and the, and the humor that the thing has. And frankly, not to lose the left turn. So, I mean, the show has all the supernatural stuff kind of weaved in from the beginning because... Because of the the benefit of a TV show, I can kind of go to the point of view of that world. But the characters are still going to take the left turn, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So the, the audience will know it's coming because they already do know it's coming. Right. But the characters will still go through the shock of that. But in general, it's like, you know, there's like the, the, the moment I always use, always talk about in that movie is uh, there's a moment where Seth, the Clooney character, comes back to the motel and Tarantino's character has killed this this bank teller he's like you know sliced her up and done this crazy horrible thing and Clooney has this very kind of it's real kind of grounded reaction of like this is not you this is not who we are this is not what we are 
what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? And that to me made, you know, the show itself and the very least the first season, a show about, you know, a brother trying to save another brother that he senses that this guy is getting pulled into something really dark and twisted and he can't save him from it. So I kind of drew from sort of my own personal to kind of ground that, but sure. not hopefully not lose the sort of the, the fun of it. Cause they are brothers and they, they punch each other and they right. bitch at each other all the time, whatever. But that's so, all the very human And all stuff. that stuff is in the movie. You just kind of have to dig it out and right. kind of, but frankly, just take it seriously. Yeah. Just take it seriously. That makes a lot of so. sense. Um, let's talk about the, the tone for this pilot. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I guess it's just, I just try to write what I think is funny and <laughs> good. Um, but there's a, a big difference between, some, you know, living with something or we're going to want to live with this thing from week to week and right. a sort of a movie that can be a little broader or can be a little faster, a little punchier. Yeah, that's true. I, I you know, I think we just try to come up with it. Our show is about a couple and they go to mm-hmm. couples therapy and that's kind of a gateway to story and, and stuff like that. But um, I think we were just trying to explore a relationship in a grounded way and know that sort of ignore maybe what else is on the network or what's on, <laughs> because there's so many tones on TV in terms of comedy. Um, CBS, where we end up selling it to, has more maybe of a specific thing in some of the multicams. Um, yeah. But they also haven't done that much single cam. So we're like, they're, you know, I think they're still figuring out what their tone is in that world. So the best we did is just sort of like, we like this. This is a grounded tone that for me, maybe in the last movie I direct, I found a tone that I really liked and we're trying to kind of continue mm-hmm. that. Well, that makes sense. That's it, it, yeah. And I'm curious too, uh, and, and I will open this up to you guys, although I do want to talk about uh, tone on, on Masters. Um, did you guys come into this relationship comedy thinking we have something to say about relationships? Like, do you come in from a thematic angle? Um, huh. I, I I do come in from a from a relatability stance. So mm-hmm. I think most of the stuff I write tends to be things that interest me in an everyday relatable sense. You know, put, mm-hmm. shining a putting a magnifying glass on things that are just in front of us all day. Um, so yeah, I mean, certainly, I think I can relate to the themes um, mm-hmm. that the show is dealing with. The couple in our show, they're trying to figure out whether to have kids and. I can relate to that, having just yeah. had a kid, you know, things like that. Um, okay. Just, but I think people can relate to humans dealing with each other. Sure, um, absolutely. So, uh, and it and it can be played, you know, for laughs yeah, or yeah. Not. It just depends how you deal with <laughs> yeah. it. Exactly, if it's drama or yeah. Comedy. I think uh, for me, it's like you can't lead from theme. That's always death mm-hmm. for for a show like Dust because it's mythology. It's got so much mythology, and as I put it, there's so much themery in the show. I'm like. <laughs> Just run from that, guys, because you'll start talking about a character moment. Like, oh, that's just like so and so. We can do a parallel thing. It'll be about no, no, no. Just, just stay in the moment of <laughs> whatever's happening because it's so hard to find. You know, I found this on Nikita too, which was just crazy spy drama. You know, it's so hard to find these tiny little human moments in a crazy graphic novel. So once you find them, you got to kind of latch onto them and yeah, because the theme will will run you over. It'll be, it can over. become overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it, it kind of, but it's dangerous because it masquerades as good storytelling. Because mm-hmm. it's like, ooh, I tied it all up, you know, into like a little bow, and everybody's fascinated. But it's not really good. Mm-hmm. So that's that, that makes sense. Yeah, um, and I did want to uh, ask specifically about you know the comedy and drama of Masters. Uh, both hit so hard. There must be something that you guys are aware of and that you talk about in the room. Well, it's true, though, although I will say I started with that piece and I thought, 
I wanted to just basically mimic one of my favorite movies, which is Shampoo. <laughs> and I thought, I want to see a man stuck in a world where he's surrounded by women and knows nothing about them. And that's when awesome. I read that Frank, book, I cool. thought, that's what he is. He, he's yeah. clueless. And so <laughs> the tone of Shampoo, though, of course, is, you know, although there's many things going on underneath and make it, you know, the movie that it is. But, you know, it's very funny. Mm -hmm. So I wanted it to be funny. But it's, you know, as you live with these characters, just inevitably you end up going, if you're trying to really dig in there, you end up going to really dark places. So it, it didn't quite keep that effervescent <laughs> shampoo thing entirely. And, it's yeah. so, but, but we do try, like today we were just working on a story and we realized a, that we could do it in a way that was really funny and I was so thrilled because I love right. it when it's funny. I mean, I well, there, there is an inherent kind of comedy to it. Yeah, well, they're, what they're doing is absurd. Absolutely. <laughs> so that helps. Yeah, I mean, it's just insane, the idea of watching people have sex. And so uh, that does help us a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not like you're. They're not like investigators who who deal with homicides every day. So it's it's exactly. got a certain. Although NYPD Blue was also one of also the funniest shows. Also very funny shows. too. Exactly. Um, I want to uh, kind of go back a little bit, but still talking about the present. Uh, you guys are all running or about to run your own shows, and I wonder about experiences that you've had working for other people that you've kind of taken with you uh, as good models for running a room, for running a show? And, and how do you run your rooms? Anyone who wants to jump well, in. that's a big <laughs> question. <laughs> I have Wine Friday every Friday. I pour mm. wine. Can I come nice. work for you? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah, maybe I'll yeah, I'm like, we made, it, we made it to the Friday. We that's always fantastic. have Friday. Yeah. I like that. That's a that's, good idea. Yeah, uh, how big fun. is your staff? Uh, it's small. We're five total because okay. um, there are only ten episodes. Um, so we're That's five number, writing. Though. It's good. It's good. It's in two of them based in Texas, actually in Austin. So oh, no we shoot way. in Austin. Uh, but yeah, so it's a small staff, but I mean, for me, it's like, uh, look, the biggest lesson I've learned, I guess I've been doing this like 18 years. And, you know, I said earlier, I'm Cuban and I like to talk. The toughest lesson I've had to learn <laughs> is to listen, is to shut my hole and listen, you know? And I learned that, you know, early on. When showrunners would look at me and say, shut the fuck up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so like, stop, you know, when I my first show, The Pretender, I worked with these guys, we worked for four seasons together, it was great, and I, you know, we were, we were such good friends that it would just be like, I'd be pitching and I'd be yapping and yammering like I am right now, and, and, and Steve Mitchell would just go, stop, and then he'd go and he'd do his thing, and then i thought. so over the years, you know, I mean, I did two shows with Craig Silverstein, I just did Nikita with him, and you know, I use a, a, a notebook that I kind of write a lot of notes in, and I did it when I first worked with him, but he has this thing that he does called padding, um, P-A-D-D-I-N-G, yeah, where he'll go, with, he'll go with his yellow notepad, and he'll sit in a corner. And I sort of did versions of that because I'm left-handed, and it kind of helps me, but mm -hmm. I didn't really stop and really think and get the pad and start. So working with him kind of sort of freed me up to kind of use that more mm -hmm. and just really it was a way it forced me to be quiet and sit in a corner and think about the show and that's craig's thing is we always just like stop and think for a second just stop and think stop and think stop and think mm -hmm. so and i still don't do enough of that but i think that's kind of the most valuable thing it's like let's test it let's keep kicking it let's make sure it's good you know mm -hmm. what kind of hours do you guys put in we do 10 to, to 7, and then when we're behind or it's crazy, we'll stay till you know, 9 or 11. But we don't do any kind of insane hours. I do my own insane hours. Right. I'll get up at 4.30 or 5 and write before I go in. Or I'll drive. I live really far. I live like in Thousand Oaks. So I'll drive in at 6 in the morning and work from 6 to 10 when nobody's there. Mm -hmm. 
if I'm on a script or if I'm rewriting. Sure. And and then you know I got to get most of my writing done in the morning because as you know it just gets becomes insane and yeah stuff just you know yeah do you want to talk about that what what's what's the day like at uh, masters well I'm even from past experience? Uh, oh god <laughs> um well. One of the things is you have to be, you really have to work hard. If you're running the thing, you have to work hard to be organized because when you're not, it makes everybody's life a living hell. My first job, I was uh, working with someone who was really unorganized, and uh, I would find myself there at midnight, one, and I just thought, well, even, and I was really young then, and even then, I was like, I just cannot (laughs) do this. So there's a lot of pressure to be organized. The problem is, it's very true what Carlos says, our our room is even less than that. We go from like 10 to 4 or 4.30, but there's so much work going on for me on both ends Mm -hmm. uh, and on the weekends, and uh, so it's it's just a massive juggling act. Um, So we just try to keep the room pretty tight and not let it go too long, first of all, because I have a ton of work to do, but also people just get... fried out and yeah. then you're just yeah. sort of the other thing, yeah the other thing I think is key if you find people that you like and get the show is ownership you know mm-hmm. that's one of the things I've always believed and I learned it from Stephen Craig you know that everyone has their episode and they own it and you actually we'll talk about it in the room but you go off and you figure out your story and come back and present it to us mm-hmm. and then you take it all the way through production and it's it's yeah, your episode. You know what I mean? It's like and do you send and writers, not only do you send the LA based writers yeah. to set also? Oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's another thing that I think I think I have this one of my pet peeves is that I think to, as television writer producers we're kind of destroying our own craft because a lot of TV writer producers will not a send writers to set and teach them what it takes to make a show. Yeah. I mean there's a there's an art to that. It's like be on set but then get the fuck out of the way at the right moment, you know, listen to a rehearsal and then let the process happen. But still, I think we're writer producers and we should, it's our job to make other writer producers. Because mm-hmm. if not, guess what? A bunch of directors are going to come in and start <laughs> running shows, quote unquote, which doesn't work because the story goes off the rails, you mm-hmm. know? No, there's so a huge, you know, you're really lucky if you have people that encourage you to, that's one of the things I learned actually. My very first job was at Cannell. Cannell was like a little movie studio. Mm. I mean, it was the um, best place on earth to learn this because yeah. you got to go to casting, you got to go to editing, you got to do all of this. And you, if you spent two years at Cannell and you left, you knew how to produce a TV show, even if you were a staff writer, which I was, from beginning to Stephen Craig, Stephen Craig were from there. And, uh, and David Levins, a lot of people I've worked with from yeah. Cano. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's incredible training ground. It was fantastic. What were you working on there? Tw- I was on the very end of 21 Jump Street. No kidding. Yeah. Hilarious. I know. <laughs> no, it was a- but it was actually a great, it was a great learning experience. And I so, I mean, I-, I found it invaluable. I thought it was yeah. it was great. So you you similarly empower your writers to go and I do. go to set. Go and to editing and to go to production meetings mm-hmm. and get in there. And as soon as I feel like they can do it on their own, I say, go do it on your own. If you get in a jam, give me a call. But you know, you've got to learn this. That's true. You mean you're sitting when you're sitting in a production meeting, you realize the reality of what you're up against, which is you're not just sitting here in a bubble writing stuff on a page. I mean, it has to be realized out there, yeah. and that's a very different thing. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, I want to I want to move over one sec, but how did you put your room together uh, in that first year? Uh, the first year, um, you know, I I, I I I the second year I did it differently. Oh, yeah, I think I followed a slightly more traditional thing last year, which was having uh, more upper-level producers, writer-producers. I, I'm friends with the people who do Homeland, and they said, our entire room is showrunners. Yeah. And I thought, well, okay, that sounds good. <laughs> That's the and, 24th thing that comes in. Yeah, yeah and so, so I, that seemed like, well, okay, that should work. But what I realized about our show, it is, it is a v- 
hyper writerly show. Mm -hmm. So uh, this <laughs> year, I've gone a completely different direction. I have two playwrights. I have wow. so what I really did was look for flat out writing. That was it. I didn't care what their title was. I didn't care if they had a job. I didn't care about any of that. It was just looking for writing voices. Yeah, looking yeah. for voices mm -hmm. for yeah, for that thing. Where you're, it sounds yeah. stupid, but you have to read people. It's not oh just about God. how they are in the room, but sure. sometimes, you know, you blow past somebody and you haven't read all their stuff and then you're like, ah. Oh, well, it's a disaster on my show. I mean, you really have to. It's really yeah. about writing on our show. We just found this That's out awesome. just by doing it. Sure, of course. So, uh, well, but, but now you must have wound up with a room, half of which does not know how production works. That is true. That's amazing. That is true. <laughs> but what a great way to learn. Yeah, you but I don't, I'm not, you know what, we have, so we were, we're supported. Yeah. You know, you have a lot of people around you, yeah. so yeah. that is not the hard part. Yeah. The hard part is finding a voice, finding writing that, you know, just leaps off the page. That is hard. Yeah, did you guys just read scripts and scripts and scripts? Yeah, I had a lot of people that I already had in mind, mm -hmm. and Robert had two people that he had worked with who I met with and read, and they were good, and <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it wasn't as hard because it was such a small staff. So. Yeah. What What is the stuff that, you know, leaps out to you? I, I mean, I know it's hard to quantify and it's, you know, to say a strong voice. But what does that mean to you guys? I would say for me it's a specificity of writing mm -hmm. that that when you're reading writing and it feels generic, yeah. that's not a good sign. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. No, go, go ahead. No, uh, I mean, for me, it's about voice and it's about point of view. And mm -hmm. I don't necessarily mean like someone having a point of view as a writer. I mean that the characters have points of view that are strong and that mm -hmm. clash and that a lot of times I find I'm reading and like you said, generic, you know, like you'll read one of these pilots about a team, you know, <laughs> which and it's really about the team. You know, right. more often than not, I'll read something and it's it's a concept, not a not a piece mm -hmm. of writing, you know. Or it's a collection of characters, but it's not a piece of writing. So, I mean, for me, it's about that that point of view and that strength and that voice, you know, that mm -hmm. comes off the page. You know. Uh, before we move too far away from it, I want to uh, talk to you, John, about you know you you're a lonely feature writer for the yes. most part. Yeah. Uh, and television is a highly collaborative medium, yeah. as we've just been talking about. I'm just listening, taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah least, yes. And wondering what you got yourself into. <laughs> Literally, what was going through my uh, mind? Can you yeah. talk about uh, Welcome to the Captain and what that experience was like? You were yeah. you running it? Did you have? Someone I, I with ran you? it with two sort of seasoned okay. um, TV comedy guys, Andrew Reich and Ted Cohen, who oh, were sure. writers on Friends yeah. and created a lot of stuff. Uh, so, um, how was that experience? Doing that show was like a great crash course mm -hmm. in how to I, – I didn't learn everything about how to do it, but I did it. So it was like, oh, this is how you put on a network TV show. Um, and I just – after it finished, I, I just you know sort of sat back and said, what worked? What didn't work? How would I do it? If I ever do this insane <laughs> thing again, how would I do it? Um, yeah, you know, how, was, how are the, besides, you know, the collaboration and the, you know, having to be on set and things like that, how, yeah. how do feature writing and TV writing compare um, in, in process? I guess. I mean, that room thing mm -hmm. is so different. Yeah. I mean, I write features either alone or now sometimes with a partner and, you know, it's the two of you outlining and then taking a month, two months, three months <laughs> yeah. to do your script. And it was... That was the that was the big thing for me. Of I was like, oh, why do you need a big room? Why can't the three of us just write all these? And you're like, well, you've got to keep the you know you've got to outline this one and the next yeah. one's coming up. I was like, this is yeah. insane. Yeah. Um. So that's a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Um. I mean, was was it easy to adapt to, or I guess I should say, how did you adapt to it? Well, I I'm an extrovert. Mm 
So, you know, I, I write and direct, so mm-hmm. I could never be a writer, yeah. a, a screenwriter to just have that be the end game. I write to direct or produce. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked the social aspect That's of it. Good. You know uh, me I mean? too. I'm a social animal. I loved it because I came out of newspapers. So it was that same kind right, of uh, right, right. chaos, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like that. It wasn't that hard. I mean, the, the, the room and, and trying to manage people and go, oh, they're not quite getting it or, you know, this their draft isn't quite getting what we're going after. That was challenging because I'm used to just doing it myself. So the only good or bad, I just can blame myself basically. (laughs) Um, I don't know if you guys find that that, it's very tough. Yeah. Yeah, I I think the people management part is actually hard. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're talking about writers who not (laughs) the neurotic and insecure bunch to start off with. So, so yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's very hard because, you know, they know they're being sort of judged and they need to hold to a certain standard. And if it's not going well, that's that's very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, It was tricky. I mean, also, like I was the outsider. A lot of the people on our staff were just seasoned TV, you know, had done sure. many, many, produced many hours of television. <laughs> so looking down their nose, like, what right. does he know? Who's this jerk? The feature the writer's got to note, everybody. Right, right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Mr. Open Is that how you do it in your movies? <laughs> exactly. Can this show be three times longer? Yeah, yes. yeah. But uh, it was good. Yeah. I learned a lot. So, you know, hopefully it's will make just different mistakes this time, <laughs> if, it, sure. if, if this one gets picked up. Come yeah. on, it will. Um, what uh, what are some of the things that you will take with you? I mean, as far as management for people or time or whatever. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, I I'm trying to remember. I mean, I think part of it is just maybe is the size of the room. I think what what our room because you know I think TV comedy tends to have big rooms, but I found that I just function better hmm. in smaller. Rooms, I think it can be more productive. Rooms can get too big. Tell oh, yeah. I mean, you've probably yeah. been on those big network shows where it's just like it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's crazy. It doesn't it's work. Like, if you it doesn't started work. on the tail end of Twenty One Jump Street, then like that was kind of the heyday of it network was. Dramas. Yeah, and then you know we were on a floor that had a, or two floors of of just a million. I think Wise Guy was there, and I mean all these crazy shows sure. back then. And yeah, they all had big staffs. I was on a couple yeah. shows where we'd split rooms. Yeah, I've heard of that. We did it on that, Journeyman. Right. We did it on um, Invasion as well because it was too many people, man. Too many yeah. bodies. And, 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 and how many was Everybody's got to feel, well, what did probably you guys like have? 11. Yeah, that sounds right. You know? I mean, it's like and you, you got 11 writers. It's like two Koi Ps, take three people and go use separate rooms, break two episodes, get ahead of the ball. You know? Mm-hmm. It's like, did oh, it we won't know what you're doing. And I'm like, it doesn't matter because <laughs> we, we literally sit and talk about one beat. For, you know, 45 minutes. And it's like, we can't, you know, and everybody's Mm got to weigh in, especially when you're starting, you know. I mean, you have to all be together at the beginning because you're figuring out the season. But it's just when you get... Were those shows that the episodes were broken in the rooms or did writers go off on Invasion, yeah. Invasion was more heavily, heavily serialized. So we were in the room a lot more. Invasion was a good show. Invasion was very cool. It was a blast. I'm very proud of that show. We, you know, it was... Again, it was sort of right up my alley. You know, it was Cubans and Miami and aliens and all this great stuff and... And you are both. Yeah, exactly. So you know, I'm from another planet, and, right? But uh, but it's uh, it was it was that kind of thing where we were we were racing the thing, you know, the beast, and it was yeah. super serialized. But the room would get too big, and it was just like you know, we gotta we gotta move, people. We gotta move. And know? did that work in a practical way to split yeah. it up and then break? Yeah, because then we people someone would, had the big picture in mind, right? And then you would come into the bigger room with the story and say, "Here's what we got, got guys," and then people could give notes on that. But it's not. 
yeah. you know, building a story from whole cloth, you know. That makes All seven sense. of you. It just it doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work. How uh, big is the room on Masters? Yeah. Well, uh, six, including me. Yeah, so that's, so that's that seems good. That's as big as you want to get. And do you yeah. do you um, so you break the story all six of you? I do. I, sometimes I do the. I go right. off with my yellow pad. I do yeah. the same thing, yeah. and I just think about things, and I come back with ideas. And sometimes people have other ideas. We have a great researcher. We need a lot of research. Yeah. So, so some of that fuels things. Um, and then yes, we do. I mean, we do spend a lot of time sitting there talking about what could happen in this story. But then someone has to go off by themselves and turn it into an outline. And, right. and so they're breaking that outline, doing kind of the hard break. Well, on we it do. Uh, here's what I found. I found I'm just having this discussion with another person running a show who spends a lot of time out of the room and then comes in and comments on people's work and is very perplexed as to why he's finding very <laughs> dug in and argumentative and uncooperative staff. I now do not have that room meet without me. I was going to ask. I don't do it. And I, it's just because they, then they feel like we've all been doing this together. They don't mm-hmm. feel like That's proprietary about, about ideas that maybe I don't like. So mm-hmm. they, they're, 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 they're very relaxed about it all as, a, as opposed to feeling like they have yeah, to fight good. me on things. I mean, I'll right. do it with – I'll give direction. I'll say, you know, this is the goal. Mm-hmm. Try to do this at least. But it's not, yeah, there's not a lot of sessions because it's just better. It's a team sport, it's, man. Yeah. It's a team sport. Absolutely. And that goes for all the production and the directors and everybody else. You know, it's yeah. like, and the actors, frankly. It's like, you know, it's a team sport. Well, it's Everything. not overstate. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. This is something no. I'm actually curious about is working with actors. I mean, you guys have all worked with some great actors. Uh, what is that collaboration like? How do you, what's the, I'm really interested in the learning curve of figuring out what the actors can do and want to do. Versus or in conjunction with what the room and what you as the showrunner can do and want to do. Well, you just have to experience as it happens. I mean, every actor is totally different. I mean, you have actors with producer credits on the show. I, uh, we do. And are, are they, uh, do they have a hand in the process? Well, the, the actor that does have a producing credit is Michael Sheen. Mm-hmm. And he is, you know, he's been in, done a ton of theater work and been in really, you know, super smart movies. And he isn't super smart himself. Um, so, but when we first met, we had no working relationship. So yeah. we both had to sort of suss each other out. It's turned into be, it turns out to be a fantastic thing. Mm-hmm. I actually really love his input and he's incredibly respectful and he has great ideas and he is deeply, deeply invested in this character. So we're the two people who care most about Bill Masters. Yeah. So we can yeah. really get in there and talk about it. And I've actually found it to be great. I have had experiences in the past working with actors where it's not great because mm-hmm. uh, then suddenly it's not about the work and they have other problems and there's other issues and then it gets all muddied and unpleasant. I've not found that to be the case at all with That's this right. group. It's always about the work. If there's a disagreement, it's about the work. It's about, you know, and, and that you can live with, and it's, mm-hmm. that's fine. Mm-hmm. What about you guys? Same deal. I mean, it's, it's been great on this show. It's been great on most of my last few shows because, I mean, for me it is. It's, every actor is different. You know, like Michelle says, they all have their own process just like you have your process. So you have to kind of feel that process out first and then kind of respect it. And, I mean, it's... It's about listening to what they have to say about the character and then also watching what they do on screen when you get the dailies. You have to, you know, sort of watch and see and react and get a sense for what they're comfortable with, what they like, what they do well at, what they perform, you know, what they like, what works, what works with the, with the actor. Sure. Sometimes, and more often than not, that surprise you, surprises you and you can kind of take that in a whole different direction. But 
um, the input's always welcome, you know, and it's unlike, again, like Michelle, I've had situations where you've had crazy meltdowns and stuff like that, but nothing too bad. You know, most of the time, if it's about the work and the notes good, you know, I'll listen because it's, it's going to make the thing better and they have a right to, they own the character, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, they, they live the character just as much as you do. The the thing we hear uh, very often is, you know, as the writer or showrunner, you're responsible for all of these characters. This actor is responsible for this one character. Right. Well, that's why sometimes they character. sometimes they will pick up things you have just entirely yeah. missed because they're that's what they're focused on, Absolutely. and you're focused on everything else. Yeah. It's a, but what's very different, I'm sure, and I'm sure John can speak to this much more than I can. But in television, because it goes on for so long, mm-hmm. it becomes this incredible dialogue you're having with your actors, and it's true. They are actually creating as you're creating. And so it becomes this really very interesting thing that you do with them. Mm -hmm. They're bringing all their sort of thoughts and ideas and instincts to something, and you are. And so it's a a very curious but can be very great collaboration. I mean, as you, you, I'm sure you all follow all the Breaking Bad stuff, I mean, I think there's just not a second that goes by that Vince doesn't talk about, you know, what uh, his actor has brought to that Mm -hmm. role because I think he had a tremendous amount to do with it. Sure. So, well, well, Nikita, at the beginning of every season, we bring the actors in to the writers' room and just have them sit there and talk to really? us for twenty minutes, half hour, just chat, mostly about okay. nothing, not even the show, just kind of chat what's going on, and you kind of just sort of listen and see what's on their mind and see where they're at, and it not only begins the dialogue, but it's like you said, there's things going on in an actor's life that you can you know tap into and you know use. That's really yeah. interesting. Uh, I'm, I feel like we have a unique opportunity uh, because you have or are in the middle of casting a show. Yep. Um, you know, this is, these are potentially actors you'll be spending a lot of time with. Right. Uh, and right. you're also looking for chemistry. You're looking for the people who can represent these characters that you've already written. What has the process been like for you? Um, well, we just got picked up like four days ago. So, um, Congratulations. Was it, yeah, it was last week. I don't know. So, I feel awesome. like I've been hearing about the show really forever. Exciting. But we sold, you know, but I uh, really liked it. But you're shooting, um, what are you saying? You're shooting more. No, no, we just got pilot? picked up to the pilot. Oh, okay. We just got ordered to shoot a pilot right, right, right. like cool. yeah. four or five last so we, week. You really barely So begun. we just have, I'm putting all the crew together and yeah. now we're. You're directing yeah. it? I'm directing it. Right. Yeah, right. I co wrote it with Matt Miller. Um, who's more of a, a seasoned showrunner mm-hmm. guy. Dude, but it's comedy that is so hard. <laughs> is, see, but <laughs> I don't do know anything that? else. That's all it I do. It so. me. I mean, we, yeah. we, we do our bit. You know, everybody does. Every drama writer does their bit. But it seems like <laughs> so hard to me to do a comp, to be funny consistently for a half hour every week. I don't know. It seems hard to me. Well, uh, it seems like nerve-wracking, <laughs> well, right? Like, uh, right. Uh, really Jane Espenson <laughs> said, either on the podcast or not, uh, that... Uh, she loves doing dramas because you get to keep the jokes, <laughs> you know, whereas in a comedy, right. all you have are the jokes. Right. They had right. better right. be brilliant. And like, you just are always trying to beat the jokes. Uh, has yeah. that been the experience in, in writing this thing? Have you guys, are you tough on yourselves? For oh jokes? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's a nonstop, you know, we just beat each other up and yeah. just, yeah, you're trying to make it good and funny and, and find it. I mean, often the first episode of a, series particularly comedy i think is not that great 
because it's just hard. You try, you yeah. know, most great comedy comes from character, and you're still figuring out the characters. And yeah, when you watch the first season of Seinfeld, it's like they're poking around. They're finding it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Say Parks and Recreation. I think yeah. same thing. Um, so we're trying to avoid that and actually make a good pilot. Um, so I don't what, know if it's going to happen. I mean, this is like this uh, is the thing everybody wants is to yeah. have these pilots feel lived in and like it's episode five, not episode one. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'm just trying to use my experience making stuff mm-hmm. and trying to, you know, we we Matt and I really liked working together. I liked the script, and then it's about casting. Mm-hmm. It's just like that's everything now, and especially as you say, because in success, which is kind of how you have to think, I think like you're going to be with these characters for years. Yeah. Um, so, so you guys must have thrown around names during the process. I mean, I, sure. I feel like that's part of the thing. Are, are these people I, yeah. you seek? I'm actually really curious if you're getting a lot of pressure to cast names. Um, you know, I don't know the answer to that yet because we've, we've ex- we're exploring names because there's some names that would be great um, for our leads. But I don't – we'll see. I mean, a lot of names – Frankly, it's interesting. I mean, so many people, I think things have shifted where they go. It used to be like, wow, I can be on a network TV show. That would be the, you know, the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And now it's like, I'd rather do cable. It's the quality right. seems to be better. It's, I can have a life, like it's fewer episodes. Um, so it's, it's kind of been interesting in that respect where, you know, with, with some names, uh, they're like, well, if you could do 13, maybe yeah. I would do it, but, uh, interesting. we'll see. I mean, yeah, I think I, I do think that the cool thing about TV and maybe it's network or, or cable, too, is that the, it can create stars much more than than so many movies. Mm-hmm. Like it's like yeah. it's just casting, casting great people. Um, so hopefully that'll be the case. And CBS has done that pretty well, where it's not all like you look at how I met your mother, you know, or other shows That's that true. have been on for a while. It's not all big stars. Yeah. They became um, big stars. Was this something that you bumped up against on Masters that they were looking for names? I mean, you wound up with this powerhouse cast, but yeah. were they looking for other things? They were, I, I actually don't think they would have made it if there was not one least fairly recognizable mm-hmm. name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that was, I think that was just sort of a mandate. I'm not sure. I think, in fairness to them, TV is so crowded now. Yeah, it you know to get people to take notice of your show, it, it helps. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. so I couldn't yeah. really argue. Cut through the clutter. Time. Yeah, yeah, somehow you got to cut through it. And so the fact that they wanted someone, I mean, it's funny, though, you know, it's, it's yeah, so that's that's how, but uh, Lizzie Kaplan was much less known, you know, and she's mm-hmm. certainly known on our business. People <clears throat> yeah. had, uh, yeah. but yeah, it, it was, so anyway, that's where we ended up. But it was, of course, it turned out to be fantastic it's just i mean it really worked but yeah there was pressure but i mean it's funny too i mean like michael sheen is not my mom doesn't know who that is well (laughs) yes exactly it's not like you have to go get george clooney if you don't it's the whole thing it's it's, like it's the guy from twilight oh right daughter we we were actually in london over christmas and we saw him at the strand we were not at the ivy sorry we were eating at the ivy oh i was like hey it's the guy from Masters of Sex. They go, you mean the guy from Twilight? Oh, <laughs> yeah, because my, my daughters can't watch the show. Yeah, you? <laughs> no, no. I will say, um, I wanted to ask you, being on a new network, right? did you guys get this kind of, like, we need to put a name in it or we need to Well, do we had Robert, flashy? who, you know, Robert True. gets Robert De Niro to be in Machete. <laughs> I mean, Robert De Niro is in Machete. 
And yep. he does, you know, Robert gets, right. you know, he just has this way right. because actors come and he's super collaborative and yeah. they, they get to do fun stuff. And, and a nice, nice guy. And he's yeah. awesome. He's just, he's, you know, he's, he's just really fantastic. He, again, he's just a, a total collaborator. So, I mean, that was a big plus. Um, the other plus was 10 episodes. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like you can come, you can play this cool character. It'll be a cool right. arc. Some some of the actors know that it's not going to go beyond a season, and they're like they're all into it. And you know, okay. we get and we did Don Johnson plays Earl McGraw, and it's a you know it's a sort of a limited thing. And we shot most of his all of his stuff in the first week, so I had I was sort of far enough ahead that I had five scenes from five different episodes, and we shot them all in the first week. That's wild. And Robert is such a sort of a. A sort of a down and dirty filmmaker, you know, he made his first movie for seven grand, you know, that he we literally shot parts of Don Johnson stuff without having cast the guy who was in the scene with him. <laughs> oh, action God. stuff. He was like, we're just going to shoot your coverage and boom, boom, boom. And he'd come in and oh so, it was gosh. unbelievable. That's wild. So I was very smart. And, and you know, um, but with El Rey, I think, you know, people were sort of intrigued enough that mm-hmm. and they would do it. And again, yeah, the short episode order. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, people can have a life. Yeah, that's they come in and have fun. That's, that's a big one. Yeah. I know. Maybe I got to try to convince CBS to do <laughs> cut your episode thirteen episodes. <laughs> right. uh, we don't need the full season. Thank you. Right. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit, uh, and it's been almost an hour, but I want to talk about uh, influences uh, on you guys. Like, why why are you in this business? You guys have pretty diverse influences. You know, you, you mentioned being a newspaper man. Yeah. Um, and, and you're a feature guy and you've been in TV for some time. You know, where, what, got, what got you interested in, first of all, writing? And do you remember the things early on that you recognized as having been written and thought, oh, that's something I could do? Um, I think I do. I, I, well, I, well, I always did comedy, like I created with some friends, the comedy magazine in my high school. And so comedy was always, you know, it's like Steve Martin comedy albums Mm -hmm. is what we'd listen to Mm -hmm. on car trips with my family. Um, I now think back and go, what were they thinking? Those were filthy. (laughs) Um, But uh, so comedy was always something. And then for me, it was, um, I basically was like the cliche I made my parents gave me a video camera, which was like the size of a toaster yeah. oven. Um, <laughs> when I was in high school, yeah. I was the only person in my class who had it uh, growing up in New York City. And um, I made a short film and we screened it in my high school auditorium and it got a lot of laughs. And I was like, <laughs> this is what I want to do with my life. Um, and so at that seemed, point, was yeah. it just I want to make movies or was it I want it, to direct movies? It was I want to write and direct okay. movies. Comedy movies. So you knew that this was something that could that, happen. <laughs> I think it was like blissful ignorance. I didn't know the challenges of it. Sure. I just knew that I knew of Woody Allen and, you know, other filmmakers. I think I, seeing Raising Arizona was another yeah. early mm-hmm. one for me where I was like, oh, wow, these guys are doing things with the camera blood and simple. tone. Blood simple. Yeah, really? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's a beautiful movie. Such a great movie. Yeah. Yeah, just those guys. I was like, okay, I get what being a filmmaker mm-hmm. is. I and there's think. two dudes with a camera. You know, two dudes yeah. from yeah, exactly. Well, it was that time in independent mm-hmm. film. Yeah, you could you could be Robert Rodriguez mm-hmm. and go make something for yeah. seven grand. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's interesting. So then you knew you were into comedy, and uh, Steve Martin was an influence. Who are some of yeah. the other influences? Um, what were you into? Uh, you know, like I said, Woody Allen, and then all Saturday Night Live, just mm-hmm. obsessed with yeah. many different seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, and I went to see Eddie Murphy live oh, dude, wow. when he was like the biggest stand up in the country. That's funny. Yeah, all those kind of guys. Yeah. Um, all the sketch writing on SNL and Second City, mm-hmm. um, TV comedy too. I think like. Did you ever perform? The, um, a little, not that much. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You, so you pretty much knew you got it. I knew that I wanted to not be an actor, yeah. and it was That's seemed like I wanted to have more control over my life. <laughs> That's great. Um, so I thought you still have kind of no control, right. but but you you know I wanted the veneer of control, right? The illusion. Exactly. Um, so how did you start to make this uh, a reality for you? Um, I, yeah, I mean the very quick version mm-hmm. is that I I went to undergrad at Brown University and kept making short films and did playwriting and kind of learned like rewriting and what writing actually meant. Um, And then I went to NYU film school and I made to graduate school and I made a short film there that got into the Sundance Film Festival. And that just sort of jump started my career. I got an agent um, from that. And uh, and then I got financiers for a script that I wrote and made an independent film as my what first that? film. That was called Safe Men. Okay. It's like a cult. It debuted at Sundance a couple of years later, and it's like a cult kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Other people have never heard of it. <laughs> Some mm-hmm. have parties and dress up as the characters, so it, it wow, runs the cool. gamut. It's like really Big Lebowski. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's like a tiny Big Lebowski. <laughs> yeah. I'll meet people like who small are, Lebowski. Yeah, small. <laughs> there's some people who have seen it a hundred times, yeah. usually wild. under the influence of uh, some <laughs> type of, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and was this able to give you the momentum to then kind of get at least in on these feature? Yeah, jobs? that that movie, um, Safe Men, got a lot of comedy guys in the movie business. Mm-hmm. Particularly, Ben Stiller saw that movie just randomly at a at a film festival that we were both at, the Nantucket Film Festival. <laughs> and he and I, he really liked the movie, and we started talking. And then we've now made I don't know eight movies yeah. together or something like that. That's cool. Um, so we so that was a big early. Guy for me yeah. to get in touch with. Sometimes that's what it takes. Yeah, <laughs> so like that. That's the uh, Carlos, tell us about your. I mean, for me, and... it's my family. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, broadly and specifically. Uh, you know, growing up Cuban in Orlando, Florida, big loud family. We're all talking all the time. <laughs> uh, and my grandmother uh, wrote. You know, she wrote poems and she wrote stories and mm-hmm. she had these books where she would write stuff and she would teach us to to. Uh, like when we bought a book to put your name and the date in it, remember when you bought it. And she taught, taught us to kind of treasure stories. And I was like, and, and she would express herself through this. And, you know, whenever it was a family event, she'd um, read a poem out loud that she had written. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. We can express ourselves. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had an uncle who was a songwriter. And then there was this whole kind of heritage that I had, which was, you know, it all ended in 1961. So there was this whole history of my family that stopped. I never knew any of those people because they were all on this island somewhere so that became like this panoply in my head of all these characters that my family would always talk about who i started (laughs) to kind of organize in order and then came manny my brother who's in the business still he's on 24 whatever Mm -hmm. he uh he's the guy who got the super eight from dad and started (laughs) making movies and he's like there's this guy named steven spielberg and you got to read this book (laughs) and you got to watch this show it's about guys who are star trekking and i'm like oh my god because i yeah I'm, i'm just i was basically following him around so he kind of gave me that bug and, you know, so I like PA on his Super 8s when we were kids. You know, he'd make these little Super That's 8s and I would help yes. out and our other brother would star in it, whatever. And then so then when I got in high school, I'd start making Super 8s. My stuff was more like adventure. I'd try to do like these big adventure movies with effects and all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff and just kind of – but it was all really about storytelling, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to figure out a way to tell a story. And, you know, when I got in the newspapers, 
uh, from college. I went to school at the University of Miami, and I just started to do clips and work for that Miami Herald and stuff and just kind of freelance or whatever. And I ended up at the Miami Herald, and that was, like you were saying, was where I learned how to write, you know, mm-hmm. how to put a sentence together really literally and how to collaborate. And really what it taught me was how to pitch, you know, yeah. how to form a story, how to sell an editor. Selling an editor on a story is just like selling a, you know, a showrunner on a story. And it was all that stuff, learning all that and the pace of it and the speed of it was also sort of a big influence of it. And then Manny was a huge influence, you know, because when I came out, he was like, oh, I'll get you an agent, right? You know, because he was already represented. He was doing really well. So I ended up at UTA and uh, I got, I got an, uh, an episode of a Saturday morning cartoon. What was it? It was called Cat- It was called uh, – uh, it was uh, um, Tales from the Crypt Keeper. Uh, it was based Hilarious. on Tales from the Crypt. Manny yeah. had work. And they were like, he put my name in, right? I, so like I'm I like, remember this show. Yeah, Man. I'm like, I'm all set. I got an episode of Saturday Morning TV, right? <laughs> and then I met with uh, Stephen D'Souza, you know, the writer of Die Hard. He, I got to pitch him. So I went in and pitched him. He was doing this show called Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, which is yeah, a really comic cool comic. Yeah. Should have been a Nick Cage movie when Nick Cage <laughs> was, was massive, but they never <laughs> did it. Anyway, so I pitched him, and he hires me to write two episodes, and those didn't end up airing. Hmm. Uh, but then I didn't work for four years. I basically had to teach myself the craft. So I locked myself in a room. My wife worked and I drove her to work every morning and I would come home and write. And I wrote a bunch of features. I wrote wow. like nice wife. seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I chose well, yeah, 25 years. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So she, uh, she, she made the dough and then I made like, I wrote like crappy scripts and one of them. But that's an unbelievable learning experience. Yeah. And to have that opportunity, I mean, that she's good enough to give you that opportunity. Right. Which I, I was in the same position that like, yeah. you just get lucky and you mm-hmm. learn in that time. Uh, so it must have so been that just was, a crash so then, course. Yeah. And then three and a half years later, after doing a little bit of television, I entered uh, yeah. the Warner Brothers office of Michelle Ashford, <laughs> who was the showrunner on a show called New York News. <laughs> Yes, and we I should terrified as soon as you came in. <laughs> and and I pitched her an episode. I was the one freelance, I guess you kinda yeah, did, right? Right. And it I was I must have been uh, very excited about your newspaper background. Yeah, that's really I mean, you know, you you try to sell whatever you can, right? Use whatever you, but it also yeah. is that thing of write what you know, and it really was. So mm-hmm. I kind of it was I didn't know what I was doing in terms of TV writing, but I could speak with authority about the newspapers. And all the stories that I pitched her were actually had happened to me. So I got them past story phase, and then I wrote a crappy script. And <laughs> no, no, I don't think it was crappy at all. I don't think you've done just so fine. Cool. It was, yeah, no, but it was cool. It was my first, it was yeah. my first real network job. So it was wait, really but then cool. tell tell what happened. You well, I wrote episode server. eleven, and they only aired seven of them, so <laughs> right. CBS canceled it. But it was a cool show. Uh, was was that cool kind show. of enough to get you running like you had this credit? Well, after that, yeah, I went to, I did starts. staffing season, and yeah. I was lucky enough to get on this show, The Pretender, which went four seasons. So yeah. that became mm-hmm. like my graduate school. That's cool. They, you know, those yeah. guys came from Cannell, and I was at the production meeting, my first episode, and all the way from production to post on every episode, did 15 out of the 88 or whatever we did, and all the other ones. And oh, yeah. so it was, you know, just learned. Experience. Yeah. Learned everything. Uh, and you were running this show at the time? You must have been a kid. I was. That's crazy. 1995. I was, yeah, I was, uh, I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Went from Girl Scout cookies to... <laughs> Incredibly impressive. Running a very uh, precocious. ABC show. Um, yeah, that was. I, I was it, was uh, it was a wonderful thing because I had developed it for Warner Brothers, and Les Moonves was running Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. and, we, and it was for CBS, and CBS didn't pick it up. And Les Moonves was so pissed off and then got literally right at that moment that job writing CBS. Hmm. And so he came oh over there and he said, the first God. thing I'm going to do is pick up New York News. 
So you're like, wow, how <laughs> fabulous is that? It That's was actually so fantastic. Fun. Mary Tyler Moore. Mary as... Tyler Moore and Madeline Kahn. Mm-hmm. And it was in huh. Gregory Harrison. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And Melina yeah, Kanakaridis. And Kimberly Williams. Williamson? I always forget her last name from the practice because it was Kimberly Williams. and Yeah. But she was fantastic, and yeah, it was a great cast. It was actually yeah. it was fun. I, mean, I got to live in New York for a year, which was lovely. That's wild. Yeah, and so you it. were coming off of, I imagine, a number of kind of staff jobs, and you yeah, would just, just kind of hit critical mass where you could pitch yeah, something. I hadn't had a lot. I had 21 mm-hmm. Jump Street and then a thing called WIOU, which was about newscasters. Mm-hmm. It was a Grant Tinker show. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, and then I just thought if I, if, if I'm going to work this hard, I'm going to do it on my own show. So I started writing pilots really early, and I just That's stuck great. with it. Was that a tough process for you to just well, figure out what went into these it's things? It's much more like I've had much more of a screenwriter's life than I have hmm. had mm-hmm. a television person's life because yeah. I did not go and spend years and years and years on a staff. Uh, and so I sat at home alone and wrote pilots for many years. Yeah. And then every once in a while I'd poke my head like New York News, yeah. <laughs> got on, and then a thing called L.A. Doctors. I ran that show, mm-hmm. although I didn't write the pilot. John Lee Hancock wrote that. Um, and yeah, so, but I, I actually like that life. I'm sort of more of an introvert, <laughs> so I'm okay being by myself. And so, so for me, show running is a really interesting thing because I really have to kick into another gear, hmm. which sometimes is really fun, and but sometimes is really exhausting. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you, let me ask you this, and I'll, I'll hit you guys later, uh, but do you enjoy the writing process? No, <laughs> not really. I, I, think I, really, I haven't heard a yes yet. I know, I've been I doing this really for three hard. years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think it's really hard. Mm-hmm. But it's it's like banging your head against the wall. When you stop, it feels so fantastic. <laughs> it's it's really it's like when you're done and you read yep. it and you go oh. Then it feels like it's worth it. But mm-hmm. I think that when you're in it, no, it feels very hard. Every mm-hmm. once in a while, it's fun. Mm-hmm. I'm but, excited when I'm about to do it, and then I'm happy when it's done. Yeah. <laughs> but I think when you're in it, it's like oh, oh when you're man, in it, it's yeah. hard. Yeah. dread. Yeah, dread. <laughs> yeah. So much dread. Still, you guys, yeah. you're accomplished, uh, excellent writers. Never well, it just ends. Seems <laughs> like it never. It seems so slow and painstaking. That's sure. the thing mm-hmm. when you're in it. It just feels like oh my god. Yeah. I'm only on page twelve. Oh. <laughs> How else is ever going to end? Uh, do you like rewriting other people? I mean, this is a big part of the showrunner's job. Like is a, di- is a difficult yeah. word there, I understand. But well, is that an easier process? Sometimes not. Really? Yeah, it totally depends. Yeah. Some people are, I will say some people are really easy to rewrite. Because mm-hmm. there's something, they've clicked into something, and you can just go, zip, 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 and you're, some people you just go, Wow. I'm not even sure where to start. And that's very, very tough because not only are you dealing with material that already has a form, but it doesn't feel right, the form, but then you have the person on the other end sure. who's yep. not thrilled about what you're doing. So that's that's hard. Although I think, you know, I, and I can't speak to your staff, but I think a lot of, you know, staff writers uh, at, at whatever level understand that that's the job, you know, yeah. that they didn't necessarily do a bad job. It's just not necessarily what this episode needs but to no be. But no one likes... No one. I, would, no, I mean, on any no, level, nobody likes to no, be... No, everyone... Be it makes people feel very insecure and, mm-hmm. and like they failed somehow. And so you have to work through that with your staff and, and you know, that's the people management part. Yeah. And it's tough. Uh, I want to go back to happier times. Tell me, tell me about some of the influences... Uh, what's the stuff that got you into storytelling and TV specifically? Well, honestly, uh, I didn't have quite the romantic background that these two have. I, I was an economics major. <laughs> I thought I would... No and then, kidding. Yeah, and then I thought I'd be a lawyer. It was very odd. But I, I, I knew I didn't really like my economics classes. <laughs> I thought they were really boring. Where are you and from? I, uh, I grew up in Claremont, where the colleges are. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. 
Uh, so I'm a, I'm a California person. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so and then I took an elective class toward the end of college, and I did a on, in television. I did a documentary on hospice care, hmm. and I spent a month with a woman who was dying of breast cancer, and she let me film her, hmm. and I interviewed her, and I got to, and it was so incredible. And the experience was so just eye-opening that I thought, well, that is what I want to do. So when I graduated from school, I said, I'm going to be a cameraman. That's what I'm going to do. I was just sure that's what it was. And I came to L.A. and absolutely nobody, well, they certainly weren't going to hire me as a cameraman. But they also, I couldn't get a job doing anything because I knew nobody. Mm. I couldn't get a job. So literally a friend of a friend of a friend's brother's uncle's thing finally materialized. And I got a job as a page. So I started as a page at KTLA. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it really does not get any lower. It was, yeah, it was 80 bucks uh, every two weeks, and I oh wore a three-piece polyester. What uniform. does a page at KTLA do? So it just sits people, people in audiences, and then you sit by a phone on a soundstage. What show is it? Like Regis's show or something? Oh my what god! What show would that this have been? Is really? Wow! This is making Regis sound used to have like a show out here. One the of dinosaurs. Those yeah, that's where we started out here, I think. There's a, I remember that what I did do was I was sitting on the stage of a comedy, I can't even remember the name of it, that was uh, being shot, <laughs> and I saw a guy zipping around who seemed nice, and was sort of nice to me as I would answer the stage phone, and I just, when it got canceled after five seconds, I said, wherever you're going, can I just please go? Can I just go? And he said, oh, you know, wherever, I just want out of this outfit. And he said, sure, and I went, and so uh, that's all I did, is I kept latching on to people, mm-hmm. and then finally I realized, you know, and it, they were all in television just by happenstance. It could have happened in movies, and it just didn't. And so all of a sudden I went, wow, the people who are doing the coolest stuff in television are the writers. Mm-hmm. And that's when I went, I wonder if I could do it. And that's how... So what was the first thing you wrote? I mean, presumably you had seen scripts at this point. Well, I had seen around. it, because yeah, I had been around. And, and I was... Um, I got a job as I had many jobs as an assistant, and then sure. I was a I had a job on the last year of Cagney and Lacey. Imagine, mm-hmm. and wow, uh, that's cool. yeah, and I Barry went, Rosenzweig, right? Yeah, Barry Rosenzweig, and uh, oh, that was a crazy bunch. But yeah. you know, they had a great show, and they'd had a great run, and this show was really smart and great drama. And so I read all those scripts, and then I. I couldn't write and do that assistant job. That assistant job is hard yeah. and yeah. time-consuming. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't figure out. So I quit. And yeah. I, I literally ate hot dogs and beans for months and tried to write a script and cried and were you, you must have day. been writing like a, a spec script this was of an it. existing show, right? This was it because I, because I knew these people. Yeah. So I thought, well, I should uh, let me see if I can write a Cagney Lace. Oh, I really. So I, I quit and I, I wrote one, but it was the whole hardly cried every day. It was so... And I usually... Well, at the end, you know, at the end of your script, you wrote, you write the end. When I got to the end of this, and this was after months, I wrote, this fucker's over. <laughs> Instead of writing the end, I was so unhappy. And I turned it in, and they went, oh, we just did that story. There we go. Oh. And then they said, but if you want to come back and pitch other ideas, like you can see if you can squeak in here at the end. And I did, and they bought it. That's cool. And so cool. from that I got an Was agent. that second script painful? Not as. Okay. And then by the time the yeah. third was not as. Right. And mm-hmm. you just somehow you get that muscle. Yeah. And you figure it out. But, That's you know, wild. the first one was so hard. So hard. You don't know what you're doing. Well, it was like the New York yeah. News. I was like, I had seen a bunch of TV and I was kind of feeling my way through. But I had only done stories. on. I pitched a couple stories and sold them. But I never got the script. And it was like, I don't. By the way, 1980, in 1995... 
no internet. I can't look at other oh, no. episodes. That's I can't totally look at tape. Right. I mean, right. I had to tape ER. My spec was an ER spec. Mm-hmm. And I had to get tapes of ER from my sister-in-law, VHS tapes yeah. to watch. And I watched nine episodes of ER to figure to yeah. diagram and the episodes and figure it out. But I didn't know what they were shooting. I didn't see dailies. I had no yeah. idea what the voice of the show That's was. I'm smart. just like, oh. Well, no, whatever. I'm just saying it was a time where now you can go on and you can they no, can, you can email you the episode. You know, know. <laughs> it's like I know. I so you're just I mean, kind of feeling your way through. Kind of the experience in joining a show that's starting out mm-hmm. is you're all just kind of figuring it out. But yeah. you know, luckily, you have a room. It's not the, that freelance opportunity kind of doesn't even exist anymore. It's very sad. I don't know how people it's do too it. Bad, because I, it was a great way to break in. Uh-huh. I mean, we've heard I the story so many times. I know. I really die when people ask me, "Do you think it's harder now?" I say, "I really seems harder to me because." That freelance thing seems yeah. to have dried up. But there's up. tons more stuff, though, right? It is. That's there the other is thing. tons But smaller staffs. And, I got hired off uh, one act of a freelance on NCIS, and then I got fired three months later. How do you like that? That's good. Don Belisario. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, everyone's been fired. Have you guys been fired? I love to hear about yeah. people who are fired. I was fired. Replaced, yeah. My yeah. fired yeah. streak I mean, is features, too long. Must well, be features definitely. happens yeah. all the time. For sure. That's yeah. part of the job. Yeah. 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 You don't hear. Right, you, you, you just kind of wake up and yeah. You, well, he tells you. Um, yeah, Isn't that some, how it works? I, it varies. <laughs> Sometimes they go, you know, we're the Make studio head. Yeah, we're gonna, you know, you did great, but we're yeah. uh, take it in an, stuff, another man. direction. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, on an up note, uh, yeah. let's hear about uh, what you guys are watching on television. Uh, what's getting you inspired? What you're talking to your friends or your rooms about, or what your rooms are talking about? Uh, John, let's start with you. Um, well, I don't have a room. Uh, <laughs> it's just me and another you're dude. Working, yeah, you're working. Um, with you guys must talk. Yeah, about what, what you're watching? Um, Masters of Sex. Sure. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's you know. What else am I watching? Um, this, I'm not just saying that because you're here. I think that's been the one that's been <laughs> no. on heavy rotation Only in the house. A million dollars. It, it's all true. <laughs> um, go to these guys, and I'll try to think of what okay. else I'm watching. What I have two daughters, 17 and 14, <laughs> so I'm watching The Fosters. Uh, Which I hear the right, vampire. Right. It's fantastic. Yeah, the vampire. No, mm, I'm not watching it yet. I'm going to watch Masters of no, Sex. No, I no, promise. No, 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 no. I meant the. Fo- I don't know the. Oh, Fosters. the Fosters is uh, ABC on ABC Family. family. It's oh. about a blended family. They're a foster family, and their name is the Fosters. <laughs> there you go. That's I'm, how you I'm get maligning it, it, but it's no. It's Terry a good show. Polo That's how you that? sell a pitch. No, yeah, it's Terry Polo. Yeah, it's Terry Polo, and. Um, it's a really good show. It's it's about a family and they're trying to figure it out. And then this, what happens is the two foster kids fall in love, the teenagers. Oh. So, nice. you know, these are shows that my daughters scream at. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so when the two characters kiss, That's they're awesome. like, oh, it's like, go. Oh. I'm like, really? Is someone watching soccer? I watch Vampire Diaries with my daughter. Sorry. I've been watching that for years. Pretty Little Liars, although I'm not caught up. I watched that. Do you know show. who A is yet? Yes, it's um, really. What, so I don't. I bailed on I don't season three. No, tell me. It's Ezra. I don't remember. Ezra right was. now. Ezra's the teacher <laughs> who fell in love with. Oh, yeah. See, oh. this isn't fair. My kid's two, and she doesn't watch TV. So <laughs> yeah. you, it sounds yeah. like everything's. Oh no, yeah. Uh, so it's kind of dictated. And then I watch yeah, Parks and Rec. I watch The Office. My my daughter loves comedies and uh, New Girl and. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't watch them all religiously, but I catch a lot of nice. them. And, you know. You're well versed in what's. Yeah, on. and Down Abbey. Of course. Right. My daughters love that too. My wife loves it too. So we watch that. I've Absolutely. Never seen it. I stopped. Down Abbey. I watched the cool. first season, it's, it's which really? was incredible. It's, and then I, oh, it's great. Catch up. The first season. Really? Yeah. Catch it's up. good. This season. Is it really good? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's a soap, but right. I I love it. It's addictive. No, everyone said yeah, that like first season was wild. So first season yeah, was great. I love I, that first. I think the season's great too. Uh, what are you watching on television? 
right now. Uh, I watched a little bit of True Detective. I checked that out. Uh, I watched. Uh, I don't honestly watch a ton, to be honest. That's okay. I know. There's no right there's answer. There's no. There's no time. <laughs> well, it's hard to find time. There's it's, no time. It's yeah. really no time. Uh, I, I have watched both seasons of Girls. I haven't caught up on this season. I was either. really behind on. Breaking Bad and and are you caught up? Did you finish? I, well, I God, the pressure, my <laughs> yeah. lord. I mean, I felt like I couldn't open a newspaper, so I did went on just a crazy nice. binge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was fun. That was uh, um, I did get I did watch the whole thing. Um, I, I think I'm I'm I'm, I'm I, I check out new shows. Yeah. I do since uh, there are so many of them. There's though. so many though. I watched half of House of Cards and I I got bored because. <laughs> I get into fights about it because everybody's like, you have to watch House of Cards. It's so great. But I got bored because I didn't feel like he was ever going to lose. You know, mm-hmm. he's so – they don't cast anybody opposite him who's like – so I like – there's no villain on that show. And he's like, well, he's the villain. I go, no, actually not. He's the protagonist. Yeah. And, and he always goes up against people. But they're like, you got to watch because he does start to lose. I'm like, okay. So yeah. I just I got bored because I never I really believed – because it's Kevin Spacey and he's so commanding. Yeah, yeah. and it's like you know yeah. everything. He rolls over everybody in the show, and I'm like, well, this guy's you no, know. I only got so a, I just was like, huh. I got an episode <laughs> and a half in. And then I, yeah, yeah, that's about where I. I realized why I haven't yeah. been and watching. I'll go back at some point. Yeah, screen. It's scr- sort of screener season. That's true. So I, re- I was like, <laughs> I haven't been watching any TV other than your show because yeah. screeners. That's ah, true. You Did you see anything that you really dug? Um, yeah, yeah, a bunch. Um, like. I uh, I really liked Philomena. Yeah, I uh-huh. that, that was great. I loved it. I heard it's yeah, great. I it was loved great. Loved it. Yeah, I, yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, really I thought it was good. wonderful. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. Twelve Years a Slave. You know, um, uh, what else? Twenty Feet from Stardom. It's a really I good. Just talk. watched that this weekend. That was great. Oh my god, Isn't so great. Fabulous. There's we were a, freaking out. We were listening so to that. Good. We were, uh, yeah, that's Give me shelter all weekend. I know. I know. <laughs> exactly. So I was telling a friend. I was so embarrassed. I did not know what the lyrics were after oh, no. hearing it I, I that never many that. times. <laughs> never I had no idea that those lyrics were rape murder. No, I had no idea. Never. never. Despite singing along in the I car. So much oh, I never knew that. I never no. did. I know, singing along. I don't so know what I was singing. Know. Exactly. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. crazy. Just noises coming out of me. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that's a great one. We Dirty Wars is a doc that's nominated for an Oscar, great. which is really great. Oh. Um, yeah. Cool. Good answers, yeah. you guys. I'll yeah. test you. You know. I thought uh, Lone Survivor was cool. Oh, I love uh, that. Yeah. You liked that? Lone Survivor. I thought it was really cool. It was really engrossing, yeah. It was really, great. Yeah, it was really engrossing. I oh, it's too heavy that. for me. Yeah, it's pretty heavy, but he did <laughs> a good job. It was His filmmaking was, <laughs> yeah. was awesome. Yeah. yeah. I uh, Thank you. And, I promise. And when do you, do you know when you're March premiering? 11th. Oh, that's oh. right yeah. around the corner. They're going to premiere at wow. South by Southwest. Oh, oh. So it's like so Robert's fun. backyard. So, yeah. so that'll be cool. Oh, cool. I'm Excellent. Really anyway, people should watch it. March 11th from Dusk Till Dawn. Cool. And good luck on your cool. pilot, John. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. It was fun. Thank you. We did it. Yay. Now leaving Nerdist.com.